Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one. All right, ladies, I, I think you guys know this, that um, in my office, we do a, a question of the day. We rotate who's responsible for asking it. And today's question I thought was really kind of fun. And I wanted to throw it at both of you. What is one life experience that you think everyone should ex- actually experience? Oh, oh, golly. <sighs> Well, you think of that, I'll tell you uh, mine. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> I need some inspiration. Um, yeah. So I <laughs> one of the like most amazing experiences that I re- can recall is being in Rotana, Honduras on a rooftop with like no lights there. And it was during a meteor shower. And I just literally oh, saw shooting star oh. after shooting star after shooting star. Like every couple of minutes you'd seed one. And I was just mesmerizing and amazing. And you just kind of like had this huge opening and awakening to the universe. And I just think everyone should have that kind of an experience. Yes. Wow. That sounds beautiful. Wow. That is, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Let's see. I've got one if you're still thinking. Go, go. Let's hear it. I, I have always said that everybody should travel to a foreign country at some point in their life, because I think you really don't ever truly see your country until you see it from the eyes of another country. Mm-hmm. So I have always said that, um, you know, the first country I, t- I traveled to was Canada, <laughs> which really for us in the United States, you know, people think that Canada is not that far away. It's in North America. And, um, but the way they saw us, uh, USA folks, Mm -hmm. um, really taught me a lot. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then of course I carried that into different travels that I had with work and, um, you know, both personally and professionally. So anyway, I would definitely say that's an experience everybody should have. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah. That's a vital one. I'm going to go off in a totally different direction, an experience that everyone should have. It's going to date me. And it's also one that I don't know that people will have in the future. And that is experiencing abject boredom, like DMV level boredom, where you're or a kid stuck in a car with nothing to do because as I recall, before we had our phones to keep us sort of stimulated at all times, that's where ideas come. The ability to like calm your mind from the frustration of boredom. I think that's a really good experience for everyone. And one that I, I just don't think is going to be part of future uh-huh. experiences, but I think a lot um, gets built and learned from just having to sit with your brain. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. I, I like, oh, you always have the most unique oh. perspective, Erin. You do. <laughs> that's great. I love it. You're just a weirdo and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> why I like you. Oh, yeah. I love you guys. All right. All right. Yeah, but it is when you're bored. It's it's when you're bored that you use your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no, think it's a muscle that you develop from from boredom and um mm-hmm. well you can you're probably like, "Oh, you must have been bored a lot cuz your imagination is <laughs> off the charts." <laughs> yeah. No. I 
I used to travel in the car to my grandparents' house, mm-hmm. you know, six hours in the car mm-hmm. on the ride there and on mm-hmm. the way back. Mm-hmm. And you were yep. forced to have yep. thoughts. And even yep. today, when you travel, if you travel by car, you have yep. your phone off. Or, yeah. I mean, there is the accessibility of putting it onto your car and listening to a podcast, which exactly. I do and all those different things. Yeah. But um, there's just this different quiet time it forces you to have. I think that's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, Agreed. Great question. Lori. Yes. I like that one. That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get on to our guest. Um, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest with us today. So let me tell you about Loretta Mulberry. Um, Loretta is a passionate advocate for language accessibility as a business development manager for Terra Translations, a Milwaukee-based language services provider. She's on a mission to improve safety measures and equity for everyone involved in manufacturing and construction, which we love. (laughs) She's uh, born and raised Wisconsin broad, so we know something about that, don't we? Uh, Who has seen the positive impact of breaking down language barriers in her community, both socially and professionally. Loretta is the proud mother of one and half future linguists and holds a bachelor's and a master's degree from UW-Milwaukee in translation and interpreting. So Loretta, welcome to the broadcast. Hello, so happy to be here. Hi, Loretta. Loretta, is that half linguist with us right now? Yes, yes, he very Uh much is. More so every day. Due in October. <laughs> Congratulations. That's that's, awesome. I thought that's where, where we were going with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. So number two will be here in just a few months now. Oh, great. Um, well, we're so happy to have you. We Thanks. are. So b- before we jump into some, you know, maybe some more personal questions, can you just tell us a little bit about Terra Translations? Yeah. So I understand translation is largely an invisible sort of industry, even though we touch virtually every industry on the planet. If we're doing our jobs really well, you don't see us. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of our goal. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Terra Translations, what we do is we take documents, whether they be handwritten or on your computer, from one language into another. So we do this for all different types of industries and really with every major language spoken around the world today. Uh, We were started over 20 years ago in Argentina. Of course, a love story brought us here to Milwaukee, as it always does. So we have found a (laughs) wonderful... Wonderful second home here, uh, which works great for me because it's always been my home. And um, it's a really lovely place to be, very female powered. We have a mother-daughter duo who started the company. And it's, again, as a working mom, I can't really imagine a better place to be. So it's a bunch of us who love languages and Mm -hmm. we're all very passionate about what we do. And our mission, like Chris stated, is, is really to bring that knowledge equity that information equity to Mm -hmm. as many organizations and communities as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So yeah, tell us what language accessibility means for the manufacturing industry. Absolutely. So the United States is not monolingual and monocultural. I mean, we all know that Mm -hmm. on some level, but it really Mm -hmm. can feel different because we get ourselves into our little pockets. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, of course, if you don't speak English, 
natively or fluently, you might feel more comfortable staying with people who speak your language better or might identify more with your culture. However, we all work together and we all live together and often it's in the same space. And if we don't have materials such as training materials, specifically mm -hmm. my focus right now, in our native languages in a way that mm -hmm. is meaningful to us, mm -hmm. we're simply not getting the same access to that information. So language accessibility means that regardless of your linguistic or cultural background, you have the same access to all the other information out there as your peers, as your colleagues. And when it comes to safety and training materials, specifically in manufacturing and construction, there are real lives on the line. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, mm -hmm. there's a high risk of, in, of injury and even death in these jobs. Uh, so language accessibility could mean the difference between an individual's health and safety mm -hmm. and uh, really taking unnecessary risks. Mm -hmm. oh, such a great definition. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it really, you know, it, of course, we apply it mostly to, to the workers because these are the people who are experiencing uh, these languages and these materials firsthand. Uh, but it also applies just as strongly to the companies as well. If you are looking at it from the employer perspective, you work really hard on these training materials. You work hard mm -hmm. on all of your materials. You don't simply put texts and documents out there willy-nilly. You want them to have a certain impact. Uh, so really thinking about, okay, who is my audience? Who could my audience be in the future? And making sure that no matter who is experiencing this, they're going to have the same, um, I guess, level of experience with it, the same impact. Mm -hmm. You know, Loretta, I went to, uh, to the... Um, oh. Manufacturing Matters Conference a few years ago, and there were was a presenter manufacturer who had put a lot of effort into their translation. And one of the cool things they talked about was the um, the employee engagement and the culture that the translations allowed them to have. So it definitely began with training and safety, but then they really walked us through how much it helped the whole company feel connected and united. Is that something you've experienced as well? God, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I actually, before I got into professional translation work, I was simply a language nerd who was dying to use my Spanish at any time I possibly could. I was working at a at an office job, typical cubicle place, but we had a large Spanish-speaking workforce in the warehouse. And for the 10 plus years this company had been around, there was zero interaction oh. between the office folks mm -hmm. and the warehouse folks mm -hmm. because of the language barrier. And okay. uh, nobody had really tried to bridge that gap. So I took upon myself to start translating simple materials like mm -hmm. invitations to parties in the break room, little things like this, and just kind of introducing people to one mm -hmm. another and I was so pleasantly surprised by how quickly uh, these groups started to meld because that language barrier wasn't actually as daunting as it may have seemed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We all had a lot more in common with each other uh, than we thought and were mm -hmm. able to communicate better than, you know, people gave themselves credit for. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it really is heartening to see that the language barrier is there, but it's not as bad as it seems always. Just a it's... little bit of effort goes a long way to improve mm -hmm. that corporate culture. That's great. That's great. Yeah, it almost seems like just a, a basic level of kindness, right? 100%. That's that's what was coming to my mind as you were speaking. 
how we could be more kind to each other, especially those who do have, uh, you know, English isn't their first language. And giving that kindness uh, really crosses a bridge that becomes so powerful. So yeah, anybody who's traveled knows there is a big difference uh, when you're testing out a language you're maybe not totally comfortable in. And that re the reaction you get from the native speakers will either encourage you to try more and yeah. to feel welcome or to just completely shut up and never try speaking French again, in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of a stereotype there. You're yeah. not alone from what I understand. <laughs> Uh, Loretta, so we build websites and every once in a while we'll get asked to do, you know, multilingual websites and mm -hmm. um, our the clients that we work with are often shocked at the investment associated with that. So how, in your experience, how do companies justify that investment of language services? Well, I, I mean, you kind of said it right in the question too. It really is an investment. Mm -hmm. uh, there can be a sticker shock associated with it, especially if you're going to go from zero translation to one. 100. Mm -hmm. It's a lot, uh, especially if you're an established company, you have a lot of processes already in place. Uh, but the good news is you do not need to go zero to 100. You can start with the teeniest, tiniest baby step because we, I personally, and we at Terra believe that first step is the most important. So whether it be, okay, let's take a look at what our materials are that are most important. Is it our health and safety? Is it our, you know, are there legal documents here, HR? Um, what's going to have the most impact on our workforce or on our clients. What are our primary languages? Maybe you want to start with Spanish, which is often the case in the United States, but then look into, for example, Hmong or Arabic or any other languages that might be included in that. So it really comes down to prioritization if you are looking to dip your toes into the water before you really commit. But looking at it in the grand scheme of things, that investment is always going to be worthwhile for a few different reasons. One, again, health and safety of your employees. I mean, from an altruistic standpoint, at the very least, of course, we all care about people's health and safety. And if they are getting materials in their native language, it is simply going to be more effective, plain as that. Mm -hmm. Second, you are leaving yourself open to a number of lawsuits in many industries if you are not properly or not at all translating your materials into other languages. I'm talking you know, HR departments, I'm talking medical documents, especially financial. You really want to make sure that you cross your T's and dot your I's in that department. Um, and you are also then opening yourself up to a bigger workforce as well, a more talented, a, you know, wider talent pool if you have your materials available in other languages. And if you are client facing as well, you are possibly leaving money on the table if you're not reaching out to these new audiences who might respond to you better in a different language. So. <laughs> You have to look at the cost and what can we afford right now? What are the opportunities to explore in the future? And where can we start today? Yeah. Very yes, persuasive. Really I'm yes. ready. Yes. <laughs> Who wants to sign up for some translation? <laughs> well, well, speaking well, of that, Loretta. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I, I was just going to say that it also applies to your customer base, right? So when you extend it to manufacturing and construction uh, equipment, it's health and safety of the owners and operators 
operators of your equipment as well. So, you know, it just extends so far even beyond your own employees, but now giving your customers the ability to have a broader and more talent, uh, you know, a larger talent pool to, to go from as well. So, um, and, you know, companies will choose your products if you're offering mm-hmm. all of those uh, translated, the, the very important documentation for safety and health. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just a wise business decision. So let's say, let's kind of do a little um, mind experiment. One of our listeners is like, wow, this, this does sound like pretty cool. I don't understand what exactly I'm going to need to do to make this happen. Can you walk us through like, not just how you decide, but once it's go time, what does it look like? Do they just like mail in all their materials and you just start translating? Like, What is the step-by-step process to the point where somebody is almost, you know, as fully multilingual as they could be? Absolutely. You know, we did used to do physical mail. That's how the whole industry was oh. ran, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Our founder was the first house in the, in her, in her town to have internet so that she could uh, bring translation to wow. the, to the cool. future, actually. Oh. And so she was the first one there to do it um, by by email instead of physical mail. So I would, first of all, of course, shop around. Terra Translations is my home and I love it. But if, you know, if you are looking into doing this, we come in, language services providers come in all shapes and sizes. But we at Terra, we like to keep it real simple, uh, no mess. So we would form a relationship with you, make sure we have all of our linguistic operational questions sorted out uh, so that we understand your business as well as we possibly can, since language is so nuanced. We want to be sure that we are giving you the most accurate and the most uh, natural translation for your materials. You would simply send us those documents, usually via email or however else you would prefer electronically. Our linguistic team will run through it. We can send you any questions we have along the way. Again, email, phone call, teams, whatever your preference is. Uh, and that once that goes through our translation, editing, and proofreading on our end, we'll simply email it right on back to you. And now this can be a little more complex than a simple Word document or a PDF. We do a fair amount with, we call them cat tools. No cats. So sorry. Rip that bandaid off. It is computer assisted translation. Mm-hmm. So if you do have an established localization program uh, and you're more familiar with those, you know, we can work with the higher tech documents as well. We have our own DTPers in-house. So if you need formatting and recreation as well, we would handle that. Uh, we also then do voiceover work and subtitling, but mm-hmm. the process is basically the same. Once we have an established understanding of what it is that you would like, we simply need the materials. We can process them on our end and send them back to you. But we really pride ourselves on a continued relationship with our partners. So if at any time you have feedback, ooh, we are dying to hear it. We want all of the feedback. This is too formal. This is too this or that. Mm -hmm. Let us know so that we can work with you because we want to make sure that we match your voice Mm -hmm. in every target language. That's awesome. So, and I would imagine that these relationships are ongoing because Mm -hmm. there's always new material being produced. Uh, new needs for different language translations. So in, do you have relationships that are ongoing or do you re-sign a contract for that? How does that 
network. Yeah, we do. We we love our long going our, our our long term partnerships. Of course, if you just need to document here and there, I understand. And like I said, we are so happy to walk with you on even just one step. If that's all you would like or are able to do right now, let's do one step together. However, if you would like to do something ongoing, that is the absolute goal for us. Since we would like for all of your materials to be consistent throughout mm-hmm. all levels of your organization, and the longer we're working with you, the more consistent and accurate we can make sure that everything is. I myself started as a linguist and a project manager. So I know from experience how beneficial it is to keep a keep the same linguistic team on mm-hmm. each account, which is something we really try to do. We work with gosh, I think we have over 200 in-house linguists right now and over 2,000 wow. you know, contractors, freelancers with whom we work with regularly, um, with whom we work regularly. And uh, we like to build a specialized linguistic team for all of our partners just to make sure that that quality is right where it needs to be and it stays where it needs to be throughout all of the projects. Excellent. It's great. Yeah. Very educational. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I know. A I've- lot to think about when it comes to languages. And I do think you need a good partner and that's where it all starts, right? So Absolutely. I, I'm curious if you could share with our audience uh, something interesting about you that they they just might not know. Hmm. Well, I would say this is something from my past that I still fall back on quite a lot uh, as a point of pride was in high school, I was actually a reserve world champion horseback rider what? and at one point a national champion. <laughs> wow. Oh, awesome. Was that definitely is a horse hardcore. girl. Wow. I was. I grew up in the barn and I rode with my mom starting at seven years old. And we, you know, started as like a fun hobby. And then we were working in the barn, you know, teaching the summer camps and whatnot, mm-hmm. mucking stalls. And the competition started and they just never stopped really. Wow. <laughs> so it took us on quite a journey. Uh, and uh, it's, it's, it was a really fun chapter in my life. Oh. You, so do you have horses today? Or are you involved in that? No, not today. I did actually recently get the chance to go back to my barn in, in Heartland uh, oh, nice. to take my daughter for the first time a little while back. Got to introduce her to the horses and my old trainers. And that was so cathartic. It was very heartwarming seeing her with the horses. Oh, and now I'm a little oh. nervous that she's going to get into a uh, wonderful, <laughs> but very expensive sport in a few years. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's great. All right. Well, we're going to move into our next segment. And that is, I just learned that. And Erin, I thought I would start with you. Oh, goody. Um, Speaking of international travel that we started the show off with, I just learned about, so one of my bucket list items is to do a trek. We're, um, you know, multi like two weeks and go stay at hotels, not the, not the backpacking, staying in hotels. And (laughs) I just learned about a wonderful trek on the smallest island of Japan, the Shikoku pilgrimage. And it just sounds remarkable. It's not a very heavily visited area by non-Japanese people. And it's it's 750 miles, which I wouldn't want to do the whole thing. But there are 80 some um, uh, temples that you Buddhist temples that you visit. And along wow. the way, the people are, are incredibly welcoming as people I think often are on these pilgrimage routes because they're used to having foreigners visit. And um, it just sounds like a life goal that I need to set up. So I just learned about Shikoku pilgrimage. Oh, what about that you? sounds cool. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What'd you just learn? Well, I was um, getting ready this morning and I typically listen to music from, from my phone and I'm, I just was tired of my playlist. So I, 
I searched for what's the most popular song and something that was returned from Shopify that is the most downloaded song or streamed song, I think is what they call it, ever today mm-hmm. is The Weeknd's, um, what is it called? Blinding Lights. So That's the most downloaded wow. song ever? Yes. So the, and I didn't know that the weekend was from Canada. So I just learned that too, because it had said it in there. So then I just listened on repeat to blinding lights this morning as I was getting a great song. It is a great song. It is a great song. It's not, it wasn't on my playlist. So now it's been added. And you know, what's always interesting is when you play a new song, I don't know if this is true for you guys, but um, when you play a new song, new songs show up for you. So I yeah. love this. just to find mm-hmm. a new song and then see what other new songs get played. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, yeah, that's fun. how I learn about music now because it's not the radio anymore. No, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a different world. Lori, how about you? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take my two for today. So do it. I'm gonna talk about AI, which is only the only time I get to do the two for and AQI because air quality oh. index. I think oh. that's something that we're. Yes. Hot topic, at least in like Wisconsin at this point yes. in time. And, you know, for the, I would say for a couple of weeks now, I was getting those notifications like, oh, the air quality index isn't good. I'm like, well, I feel fine. And then this last week, it was just kind of like, wow, this is insane. So I was just curious, like, who made the AQI and when did this start? And, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> and apparently um, the EPA created it in 1999 because there was really no true way to measure the quality. Really? It wasn't until 99? Yeah. That surprised yeah. me too. Yeah. Because I mean, the air quality has been problematic far before then, especially <laughs> LA. I remember LA when I was doubt. a kid. It was like, you couldn't even see. Yeah. But oh, okay. it, it makes sense to have some some form of measurement yes. for that to, to gauge and to communicate mm-hmm. what's happening. Um, I didn't get as deep because I am curious and I just haven't spent enough time on that yet. But like, what are all the variables that contribute yeah. to the, the factor that uh-huh. rating that it is? So interesting. Um, that'll be my own little personal adventure. But now <laughs> moving on to AI, I think this is fascinating. I imagine more and more of this is going to be happening. But the American Medical Association has... Um, put in a proposal to protect patients from false and misleading AI generated medical advice. Mm. And I think that's extremely important. Mm-hmm. And and you've all heard me say this before about AI and how there's the biggest concern I personally have is trust because there's really no validation or, or, you know, source, although that is evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, people are going to be using this for their own, you know, finding medical or health related information. I think it's extremely important to have some regulation around it. So that's yeah. good that there's steps being taken with regards to regulation around AI. Well, when it comes to medical advice online, like the the time has been well nigh for some, you know, Dr. Google can mislead you even without AI. <laughs> I'm so going to die every time I Google something. I'm about to know, die, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> or recently I learned I'm, I'm, I have dementia, apparently, in the early stages. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. Not a laughing I don't even matter. search for that stuff. <laughs> Oh, I just always search for the most rent. Like, why is my arm tingling? And then (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to (laughs) die. Loretta, Uh, have you learned anything interesting recently? I have. Well, now most recently I've learned that Lori and I need to have a very lengthy conversation about AI because I am (laughs) nodding like a fiend over here. 
quick note about translation and AI. Uh, yeah. Please do not trust chat GPT mm -hmm. or other AI tools to do your professional translation. I would love to talk about this at great length, but I will keep it snappy. <laughs> you do not own any of the materials that you mm -hmm. put into those systems for translation and you cannot trust them to be high quality. So again, for the mm -hmm. safety of your employees or the you know, common courtesy of your clients and for your own legal safety, please, mm -hmm. please hire a professional translator of some sort. Anyway, something else I learned is that if you are a little nervous about heights in person, you will also be nervous about heights in VR. Great. I was at a, <laughs> at an immersive tech conference in Santa Clara recently and did the uh, training for a, oh gosh, it was something like a, a cherry picker. I'm sure you ladies would probably know the real term for it if you saw it. And I you know, was completely immersed in the world, drove through the cones, had to go up on top of the building and boop a little thing. Uh, and at the end, I was very nervous about how I would get down. And the wonderfully patient man helping me with the training said, well, ma'am, you can simply remove the headset. You're, you're still on the <laughs> wow. Well, but just I did for our listeners, I want to clarify because I, I never want to take things for granted. VR, virtual reality, um, we're all hearing about it. And we see the headset sometimes in the ads. Mm -hmm. Apple just produced one. But it has really interesting implications for construction and manufacturing mm -hmm. in terms of that training. And I'm really glad you shared that with us because it's it's hard to understand if you haven't done it yet, and I've done a very small one, how much it triggers your lizard brain to mm -hmm. really believe in your experience. And that's really fascinating and something to keep in mind, right? Like you don't want, if somebody has a phobia, it's going to be just as real in VR as, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, great point. Cheaper to find out in VR too before you do any of yeah, yeah. <laughs> There you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Loretta, if anybody wants to get in touch with you after listening to this episode, how could they do that? LinkedIn would be great. I am pretty confident I'm the only Loretta Mulberry on LinkedIn, but if there are more than one of us, I am the one who works with Terra Translations and I would... <laughs> love to talk to anybody about language accessibility. If you have any questions, I will do my best to answer them. But if you have any advice for me, obviously I'm not yet a manufacturing expert. So I would love to hear your thoughts as well on what we can be doing more as an industry to help you. Fantastic. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll, we'll include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much, Fantastic. Loretta, for taking the Thank time you to join all. us. It's been great. Thank you. All right. This is Three Broads wrapping up. Reach out. We want to hear from you. This wraps up today's broadcast. If you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads, visit mfgbroadcast.com. Contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives. Contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions. And contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems. We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcasts.com.